Hi, everybody, and welcome to a new edition of Live from Pawnee. I'm Alan, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Mark. Mark, how are you today? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm good, uh, sir. Uh, yeah, me. Alan, that's yeah, your that's name. name. Alan, yeah, I yeah. know. You don't have to tell me I know this. I'm pretty sure I know this. <laughs> it's stormy outside. And yeah, it's kind of nasty uh, today. Yeah, I don't know. Humid. I mean, it's a. It's dank. Dank. It's I like, like that word. It's like, I do too. Yeah. It's like a Dex- no other word can mean all that in one word, four letters. I know, well, I know. There's it, one it, other word. But it's you like know. A, the Dexart vacation cave thing. <laughs> like that's all the things. It's that's like that outside. Except it's not uh, a cave. It's just outside. It is outside. Thank Yuck. God. Yeah. Uh, you know, Alan, uh, if you don't mind, uh, before Uh-oh. we get into the show today, the, the show proper. Yeah. Uh, well, not this again, Mark. Is this Constantine's comedy corner thing really still happening? Well. Alan, after all, this is a, a smash. Well, yeah, smash hit. Is that what, whatever that means? Okay, let's do this. All right, all right, all right. So as a quick reminder to our viewers. They are not viewers, Mark. I know this for a fact. Mm-hmm. Constantine is trying to jumpstart his career in stand-up comedy, and he's trying to figure out what jokes work and what don't. You mean what onion-based jokes work, right? And yeah, you know, regardless, it doesn't don't want to get bogged down on details. Uh, So I now present Constantine's Comedy Corner. So today's joke, I got a packet of onions from the supermarket yesterday. Somehow by today, all of them have disappeared. I guess this is why the shopkeeper warned me not to buy Bermuda onions. Wow. Because it's like it's. Just wow, Bermuda, like the Bermuda Triangle. Uh, so there, there it is. Mark, the goal here is to have our audience tell us whether or not they like the joke, right? I mean, I think we've offered this up a couple times. Now. Yeah, 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 yeah. They could contact us uh, via uh, like all. There's all sorts of channels. We got MySpace and we got Friendster. Yeah, Second Life, Second yeah. Second Life. Oh my gosh, all of those, all of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, anyone who wants to give their opinion can contact us at livefrompawnee.com or via Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. Uh, any of those methodologies work. That's Those are right. real things, not the things you said. Not the things I said? No, not the things you said. Are they, did they expire? Yeah, something like that. So, so Mark, Weird. how many of these Constantine Comedy Corner segments are we going to do? I'm just just mostly curious. Well, I, I'll tell you uh, how many we're doing. Um, well, <clears throat> as it turns out, Constantine and I actually arranged a contract. A contract? Really? So yeah. contractually, yeah. how many segments are we obligated you got that word right to to do yeah we're I, we're obligated to play um I, I, all right look here's what happened say i constantine and i went to scully's bar to hash <laughs> out the contract details and and things honestly get it got a little fu- fuzzy yeah so you so you went to scully's bar with constantine yeah. uh let me guess did he order an onion teeny <laughs> maybe come on that's just as funny as your joke yeah it's, it's or, much better <laughs> yeah so mark what girly drink did you order uh, i'll have you know i had the most delicious sherbert vodka um so what exactly did the contract say um i can't remember let me get it out uh okay it says uh uh <clears throat> Live from Pawnee will feature at least 30 comedy segments from time of inception to the end of the podcast. 30? Yeah. How many have we done? Um, Including today? Yeah, including today. That would be four. So we have 26 segments to go. Is that right? Yeah. Math. That sounds right. 
so the contract does say comedy segments, right, Mark? Right. Yeah, that's right. Did it say Constantine's Comedy Corner specifically? It did not. It just said. Uh, hmm. So, so in theory, segments. we could play any comedy segment, like good ones, and fulfill this contract, correct? Um, I don't. I don't. I don't know about that. I'll get my lawyer on it. Who's your lawyer? It's. It's, it's Harvey. Harvey? Yeah. Harvey's my guy. Uh, yeah, he's your guy, but he's multi-talented. And he's a he's a lawyer and stuff. Well, maybe we can follow up with Harvey to see what our options are. Yeah, he'll tell us. I'll be sure to bring some sugar <laughs> vodka. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> well, Mark, how about we get on with the rest of the show? Yes, please. Capital idea. Yeah, let's do that. Mm. So, so outside of all that nonsense, yes. we're here today to actually talk about an episode of Parks and Recreation. I didn't know if you knew that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, this one is called uh, How a Bill Becomes a Law. This is episode three from season five. That's right. This first aired on October 4th, 2012. It's got a standard running time of about 21 minutes and 27 seconds. There was no producer's cut or uh, special edition here. We did have deleted scenes, though. It did have deleted scenes. Quite a few, in fact. That's right. Uh, we'll get into that in a bit. Yep. Um, this one was directed by our buddy Ken Whittingham. Yep. Who we've had on the show. Yes, we have. Awesome guy. Like had a him. great time talking to him. And yep. Still try to follow his work. Yeah, you might know him from Parenthood, Suburgatory, Keenan, Grace and Frankie, Wonder Years, and of course, Parks and Recreation. This is his third of eight that he directed, Mark. Very nice. Yeah. And today's episode was written by the one and only Dan Gore, uh, of course, creator of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Oh, also that known, guy. Yeah, that guy. Yeah. Known uh, more recently for Killing It. And uh, apparently he's scripting out the screenplay for Legally Blonde 3. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, kind of oh, fun. Yeah. Unfortunately, this is the 10th of 10 for him as a writer. Oh, this is about the time he starts to transition and to Brooklyn. Nine -Nine. Yeah, he's yeah. really he's making that show for, for NBC. Uh, he does go on to be a producer on this show and including an executive producer for quite some time. I think for a total of like 84 episodes. So mm -hmm. he's involved for a few more years. But um, from a creative standpoint, daily creative standpoint, yeah. I think he's got his other focus. Right, right. Yeah. And that makes sense. And, and you know what? Good on him because yeah. we really are fans of Brooklyn Nine-Nine as well. I, I was late to the party. You were late to the party. I, 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 I am a big fan of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Absolutely. Yep. All right, Mark. Well, hey, why don't we do our episode synopsis? Synopsis. There's no reason what, whatever. to you know, go crazy on it like you're on the <laughs> disco floor. Right? Yeah, it's not an onion. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. All right. So I broke this sucker down into uh, three stories. That's not right. Well, it's it is, weird because the judges were thinking you were going to say four and oh. we were going to allow it. Oh, so you're not technically wrong. But but I think you'll agree with me that one of the three stories basically broke in half almost immediately. Mm. And it could almost be considered four. Mm. But let's call it three. I like that better. <laughs> All right. I like it when you like things. Yeah. Better. yeah. All right. Well, the three stories I have, um, uh, you know, Alan, I was jealous of on, on account of uh, how in the past episodes you had a running theme. Yeah, thought, not so much today. And I thought I don't have a I very rarely have a theme mm -hmm. and I want to have a running theme like you did, <laughs> like because Alan's really, you know, you're smart and stuff. Sure. And so I thought I want to do a running theme. So my running theme I did on songs. Oh, nice. Yeah. All right. What you got? To yeah, yeah, yeah. So the A story I have entitled Take This Bill and Jam It. <laughs> Based on the title track from the 1977 album, Take This Job and Shove It by Johnny Paycheck. Johnny Paycheck. I love that name. All right. On Pawnee Today, after Joan Calamezzo criticizes the city council for not passing any significant legislation, Leslie tells Joan about her new bill, the Fun in the Sun Act, which will extend the local community pool hours during the summer so the swim team can practice for longer. 
However, Tom discovers that Jam, Councilman Jeremy Jam, intends to switch his vote from yes to no, making the count three to two against the bill. Scrambling to try to get the vote she needs, Leslie first goes to Councilman Milton, mm. which proves extremely awkward, and, <laughs> and then to Councilman Jam, at which point Jam tells her that he will switch his vote if she gives him her new council office, which has its own private bathroom. Wow. What will happen? Does Leslie give in to Jam? Is Milton a possible way out for Leslie? Can Jam talk Tom into getting veneers? Will the Fun in the Sun Act be passed, or has the sun set on Leslie's wow. bill? Stay tuned to find out. Dot, dot, dot. That's pretty funny there, that joke. <laughs> not the other joke. So judgy. All right. So mark my A story. Uh, I did not theme up this week. Mm. I, I heard you were going to, so I, I just phoned it in <laughs> yeah. instead. Yeah. Uh, mine just called, you got jammed. Well, that's good. Yeah, because that comes a thing later. Yes, it does. And of course, we are kind of of the same mind here, uh, but they haven't introduced that phrase yet, which I love. Right. It, yeah. It'll become a true trope. Oh, yeah. It sure will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What you got for the B story? All right. The B story, I have a little ditty about Ron and Diane. Oh, my God. I almost did that. That's amazing. Based on song Jack and Diane by John Mellencamp, John Cougar Mellencamp, or Johnny Cougar, depending on how old you are, from the 1982 <laughs> album American Fool. Inspired by his therapist, that's a whole thing, Chris starts a 311 phone service manned by Ron, Andy, Donna, and Jerry to take calls from citizens with complaints and requests and directing their calls to the proper city department. Ron receives a call from local citizen Diane Lewis, who is trying to get a pothole on her street filled. When the public works department proves useless, huh, weird, huh. Ron brings Andy with him to fill the pothole himself. At Diane's house, Andy quickly befriends Diane's two young daughters while Ron and Diane appear to have a connection, a fact that does not go unnoticed by Andy. Mm. How will this turn out? Does the 311 phone bank end up successful? Can Ron fill in the pothole as planned? Is there chemistry between Ron and Diane? Stick around, podcast viewers. All will be revealed, dot, dot, dot. Very nice. Uh, mine was uh, just called uh, Princesses and Potholes. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So my C story and my, my final story is um, entitled On the Road Again, Hopefully. Nice. <laughs> Hopefully. Based on the song On the Road Again by Willie Nelson from the 1980 movie Honeysuckle Rose. Still in Washington, D.C. and missing their significant others, Ben and April decide to spontaneously drive to Pawnee for the weekend. Yay! Yay! They grab snacks, some tunage, you know the usual, and then embark upon an exciting road trip. Unfortunately, due to a presidential motorcade, it boo. is revealed... Boo! It is revealed that the parking garage exit has been <clears throat> closed off, forcing Ben and April to wait in a long line of cars... Inside the parking garage, four hours without moving while trying not to drive each other crazy. Good luck. What will happen? Will Ben and April kill each other? What does April think of Ben's Star Trek fan fiction? Do they ever make it to Pawnee? Hang in there, true believers. Only time will tell. Dot, dot, dot. Nice job. Thank you. For that third and final 
thirds. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. mine was called Soundtrack of Sorrow. Oh. Yeah, because of the soundtracks. Yeah, 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 that's good. Yeah, so would you get on your AKAs, Mark, and then we'll get into this breakdown. All right. Well, I did three because I thought there were three. That's stories. the correct answer. <laughs> so from the A story, I have Leslie, you know, at one point she's trying to scramble, right? She's trying to get the votes for her for her bill. And at one point, you know, she hears that Jam wants her wants her office and she says, I do not negotiate with dentists. Me too. Really? Same one. We win. Ding, 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 ding. Nice. Nice. We rock. All right. Rock that scuba. So then (laughs) for the second, for the B story, I have uh, Andy, Ron and Diane sitting in a tree. (laughs) K-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. Our education system let us down. I know. I know. (laughs) That's funny. Uh, so I, I, I technically I picked two. Um, you know, Chris said this one line where he just goes, he he goes through this whole thing, and then he goes, "I sound insane." <laughs> yeah, I like that. That was a good one. And then uh, Andy is there; they're getting permission. Apparently, that Diane's uh, girls there. They you know, it's a princess kingdom. It's you, their you know, land. It's their land. They are not welcome. They were not invited. And so Andy says, uh, your highnesses, we do humbly request thine permission to be fixed doth yonder potholes. So <laughs> he knows he knows Arthurian. He did. Yeah, yeah. that was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. For the, the third story, the sea story, I have uh, when April and Ben are first going to his car. This is before the whole thing gets shut down and they're still hopeful. Ah, yeah. But they're 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 walking to the car and they go, my God, it's it's hot. It's really hot out. And April goes living in this town's like living in the devil's butt crack. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Really? Again. Yeah. We're two for three. We're two for three. Mark. Wow. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So this uh, this episode gave us pretty much the same impressions so far. It's so far, so good. Interesting. We'll see how that what turns out. Dot, 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 dot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Well, hey, Mark, let's get into the breakdown. Speaking of that. All right. Let's break it down. Well, we start out with the cold open. Always a good place to start. Uh, it's 62 seconds long. Uh, I'm going to say it's plot relevant uh, for reasons that we're going to see. So we uh, we start with Leslie in her new city council office, and she's video chatting with her lover, Ben, uh, who sorry, I'm sorry, who is still in Washington, D.C. Um, and, and Leslie's kind of showing off her office to Ben, kind of moving the laptop around and saying, hey, look all around at my office. And isn't it cool? Look at all the stuff on my walls. And plus, I have my own bathroom. This is so freaking cool. And then she opens the door <laughs> to her bathroom only to reveal it is currently in use dot, 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 by Councilman Jeremy Jam. Dun, dun, dun. After recoiling in horror because. Yeah. Thank God for pixelation. And, and, <laughs> yeah. And, and she quickly shuts the door and Leslie basically says, what the hell is going on? Why are you in my bathroom? Well, apparently Jam likes to use that bathroom and he thinks it's crazy that the most junior city counselor gets her own bathroom just because she's a girl. Wow. So he exits, leaving Leslie and Ben confused and disgusted. LOL and yuck. I love it. Yeah. I, I do like, though, that as a, you know, he offers a quick resolution to the problem, Mark. The whole episode <laughs> could have been over right here if Leslie just would have accepted he just his wants offer. to solve it. Well, right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he says, look, I'll drop liquids in here and take my solids down the hall. Totally reasonable. <laughs> and he said, deal. And Leslie goes, no, no deal. Your loss. Fine, your loss. How? How? (laughs) 
It's a question for the ages, Mark. I, I believe philosophers and great minds alike will uh, be studying that one for hundreds of seconds. <laughs> yeah. I'd, Socrates, if only he could address this. If only. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, from there, we open a main episode in the bullpen with the team setting up for the new endeavor that Chris has dreamed up. Um, and we learn about his therapeutic progress here as well. We certainly do. In the bullpen, Chris is talking to the gang about how much he's benefited from sessions with his therapist. So score one for Tom. In the sure. last episode, he, he recommended it. It was and a I great think, idea. I think Chris took took him at face value, yeah. which was a good idea for him. And we haven't heard the therapist's name at this point yet, have we? No. Okay, good. No. Um, so, you know, Chris goes on to explain my therapist is one number that I can call no matter what's going on, no matter what's bothering me. Ah. I have one number to call. Yeah. So it gets him thinking. He goes on to explain he was inspired to set up something similar for the city. This 311 phone bank. A psychotherapist line for the city? No, no. Uh, one phone line that any Pawnee citizen can call, not for psychotherapy, but for any problem city related that they have, like uncollected garbage and broken streetlight, blah, blah, blah. And they are going to direct them then to the proper department. <laughs> <laughs> I um uh, he gets congratulated and of course he goes thank you Andy I agree I love this idea and I love me for thinking of it and he goes <laughs> to this whole thing thank you Chris you're welcome Chris and then he goes I sound insane I'm gonna go talk to my therapist yeah so that was good stuff <laughs> yeah well Mark from there on Pawnee today Leslie joins the self-declared first-rate newswoman Joan Calamezzo absolutely and has like most people on Twitter confused having an opinion with knowing a fact. It's your opinion. All right. We see Leslie live on Pawnee today with first rate something or other, Joan Calamezzo. Played and by the great Mo Collins. Great, yeah. great Mo Collins. Who so I follow funny. on Twitter, ironically. <laughs> it's your opinion. So Joan is taking Leslie and the rest of the Pawnee City Council to task for not accomplishing anything worthwhile. Leslie responds by telling Joan and the viewing audience, they are viewers, Alan, oh, about are. her okay. new bill, the Leslie Nope Fun in the Sun Act, which will extend public pool hours, benefiting many people, including the Pawnee Porpoises swim team, who would then be able to log more practice time. Wow. Can you say a big whoop? Big whoop. Yeah. Joan <laughs> was not impressed. She was not impressed with this. Right, right. But, you know, hey, it's Leslie's basically her first day on the job and she's already got great ideas. She she does. Or ideas anyway. Well, <laughs> you, as as she says in her talking head, she is not just your run of the mill city councilor. She's a city councilor with porpoise. Porpoise. I love it. Yeah. I've only got like six porpoise jokes letting in here, so those would be good. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, speaking of which, in Leslie's city council office, Leslie meets with the Pawnee porpoises and learns that some of the traditions she remembers, you know, because she, she was a member in her childhood. Yes, she was. Are no longer have a porpoise mark. Yeah. Uh, see what I did there? Okay. I swear that's it. Sounds dumb when you do it. But yeah. anyway, so we, we see- Not an onion joke. <laughs> We see Leslie next in her new bathroom-laden city council office watching the end of her Pawnee Today interview with Joan Calamezzo with four members of the Pawnee Porpoise swim team. And Leslie and the swim team are very excited at the likely prospect that this bill will, in fact, become law. And Leslie celebrates, as you alluded to, by doing a... That's pretty like good. Like a porpoise call air yeah. in my throat. And then the it's swim... Kind of more like a dolphin than a porpoise. Kind of. Yeah. But they're like... Kissing cousins. They're cousins, yeah. Oh, I got to look up that menu item. But anyway, <laughs> so the, the swim team just looks at her 
And she then says, well, that was when I was a member. That was our call. Don't don't look at me. I'm not weird. Why don't yeah. you leave now? <laughs> yeah. They do think she's a little weird. <laughs> well, they're right. Yeah. Well, meanwhile, in D.C., plans for a road trip are being discussed. And, and I learned that half of what I do, Mark, in my spare time doesn't actually count as being busy. Mm, interesting. Well, in, in Washington, D.C., April enters Ben's office and tells him she misses Andy. And, you know, Pawnee's only a 10-hour drive away. And maybe they could take a road trip this weekend. Uh, hey, Alan, let's have Harvey play this clip. Wait a minute. Uh, Harvey's helping us today? Yeah. He, yeah, he's right. He's right back there. Oh, good. So after the show, you can ask him for his legal advice regarding Constantine's contract. <laughs> let's just play the clip. Hey, are you busy? And writing Star Trek fan fiction does not count. Ha ha ha. I finished it last week. What's going on? <laughs> um, I miss Andy, and you probably miss your lover, Chris. Leslie? I had an idea. It's Friday. Pawnee's only a 10-hour drive. Road trip? Oh, I don't know. I was going to try and get a jump on some work this weekend. Dude, 30 years from now, when you're on your deathbed, what are you going to remember? Organizing files or taking a spontaneous road trip to surprise Leslie? Yeah, you know what? All right, I'm in. You know, we might be able to sneak out early. You get snacks, I'll bring music. We'll jam out to some sweet tunage. You know what? This is awesome. Actually, no, I don't want to go anywhere. <laughs> oh, okay. Just kidding. See you in 10 minutes. Okay. Just kidding. We're not going. Huh? Road trip. So we're going? Yes. Oh, I'm excited to bond a little with April. She's like the little sister I never had. Because the little sister I do have is normal and not terrifying. <laughs> At the very end of that, uh, I know it's not not you visual. You can't see it. Yeah. But, you know, they, they're in that fishbowl, yeah. as you alluded to in oh, the yeah. last episode. Yeah. And Ben's giving that talking head saying, you know, he's, exci he's excited to bond with April. He looks back at April through the clear wall. April <laughs> looks up at him, makes a slashing motion across her throat and, and silently mouths the words, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and Ben looks back at the camera like, huh? What's well, happening? It's it's really, the good news is that she has a whole 10 hours to choose where to do it, Mark. Well, that's true. When you least expect it, that's expect right. it. Well, back at City Hall, the 311 lines are open and complaints and requests are rolling in. And we learn why Jerry should not work in the IT department. Holy cow. Or maybe any department, but, you know, IT Fair. especially. Yeah. Definitely not my IT department. Poor Jerry. In the bullpen, we see Jerry, Ron, Andy, and Donna making a makeshift 311 phone bank. Ron and Andy are on the phone helping people. Jerry is busy on the ground with wires, I think trying to clear up an issue he was having with his phone. And Donna is reading a book, which that, that seems right. That's right. We then hear Ron on the phone with a lady named Diane who needs a pothole on her street field. Ron transfers. That's her. not a euphemism, is it? <laughs> no, sir. No, no sir. Okay. It, it really is a thing. He transfers Diane to public works, but soon receives another phone call from Diane saying that nobody answered. So frustrated with the government's inefficiencies, go figure, Ron tells her someone will be there shortly and he hangs up and he grabs Andy and the two of them leave to address the pothole situation. While all this is going on, apparently <laughs> Jerry manages to get his phone working. But now instead of 311 calls, he's now receiving 911 calls oh, no. for Jerry. Wow. Well, he he says, uh, he says, what do I do? And Donna says, I don't know. Try to help. Now, hush, this book's heating up. 
And then you see Jerry get back on the phone and he goes, oh, that sounds awful. <laughs> so we don't know what's going on, but it's pretty heinous. It's pretty bad. Yeah. At least, you know, Donna doesn't want her Fifty Shades of Grey bothered. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. That's what she's reading there. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, from there, we bounce back to Ben and April, who are about to depart the devil's butt crack. Mm. I, I mean, D.C. Yep. That uh, could be the D.B. Devil's butt crack versus D.C. Or District devil's crack. Club. Devil's crack. Yeah. Oh, my go. God. Yeah. You cracked the right code, Mark. Yeah. Did it. Nailed it. Yeah. Nailed it. And at this point, they're ready to head home for their surprise visit. Yes, they are. So Ben and April are outside in what I'm assuming is the Barkley Group parking garage walking towards Ben's car. 601 Pennsylvania Avenue, Mark. It's a uh, office building in D.C. And you can go online. It's a real building. And you can actually see that it has a lot of things in it. And it's very easy to imagine a, a consulting group like this being in that real building. Yeah. So whoever did location scouting here picked a good one. Did a good job. They did. Yeah, yeah. So they're walking towards Ben's car and they're already complaining about the heat. Ergo, living in the devil's butt crack, blah, blah, blah. Because I assume his butt crack. I mean, I don't. I haven't seen any any studies. No. It's got to be hot. It's it's probably warm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's on the south side. Of <laughs> so. so they get in Ben's car. Ben realizes, oh, my gosh, I'm almost out of gas. All right, I'll wait till I get on the highway and I'll fill up there. No big deal. So they get in the long line to exit the parking garage and then they stop moving for a long time. April gets frustrated and impatient. He, she lays on Ben's horn because that's what you do when <laughs> that you don't always move. Helps. Beep, beep, yeah, I'm not moving. That. Beep, I'm yeah. not moving. And we eventually see a man in an orange and yellow vest walk up to April's window telling her that the parking garage exit has been closed off due to the presidential motorcade. Oh, well, you know what Ben should do here, Mark, mm. since he's almost out of gas? It just go on and shut the car off until this uh, the traffic opens up. That would be a capital idea, but on account of the devil's, devil's butt, butt crack, crack thing? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you got to air that thing out. The holy bleep. Yeah. It's hot. It's hot. Turn yeah. on the AC and stuff. We can relate. Okay, yes. Well, back in Pawnee, we get a peek of Councilman Jam's day job. And spoiler alert, Mark, someone in the Parks Department has dynamite gums mm. and someone else doesn't keep their word. Mm -mm. We'll have to figure out who's yeah, who. Yeah, it's we'll a riddle. Cut through that. That's, yeah. We'll need a sneaker chip that to one out. crack the yeah. code. Uh, so we see Tom in Councilman Jam's uh, dentist office getting his teeth examined. Jam orthodontics, I think. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. DDS. Um, Tom explains to us via talking head that he and Jam have gotten pretty tight and he's hoping that he can kind of parlay that into a membership at the Pawnee Smokehouse, Pawnee's most exclusive cigar club, of which Jam is a member. Tom then tries to confirm with Jam that, hey, we're all, still all good on Leslie's Leslie Nope Fun in the Sun Act, right? And Jam tells him, Tommy, we need to talk. <laughs> that's not good. Not good. No, that's not good. I, I love that... Uh he says, you know, Tom, do, do you know why I picked, do you know why I moved to Pawnee? Hmm. It's because it's got two things here, yeah. right? Yeah, it's a dentistry jackpot. It's got uh, corn syrup and mm -hmm. rubber nipples Ooh. as its leading industries. Oh. It's a dentist's dream. Yeah, that's a, that's a bingo. Bing, bing, bing. Tom goes, well, DDS doesn't stand for dumb, dumb, stupid. I like that. I'm going to steal that. That's mine now. That's mine now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, meanwhile, over in Leslie's city council office, Leslie is getting a perm. Only God knows why. <sighs> and she is also about to get some upsetting news. Well, I, I know exactly why. Because her bestie oh, would yeah. normally say, don't, don't do that. Yeah. 
She's but gone. when the ends away, the mice get, get perms. perms. <laughs> I, I was unfamiliar with that expression. So, oh, yeah. It's an old one. Oh, fair do, enough. Do your research. Not so we, we see Leslie in her office where a hairdresser is giving her a perm. And Tom enters her office at that point and tells Leslie what Jam said. Specifically, he changed his vote to no on the Fun in the Sun Act, mm-hmm. making it three to two against bastard with the vote in an hour leslie springs to action despite her perm only being partially done she wants to put together an emergency strategy session yeah yep was that the left side of her head that's done or the right side i can't i think it's a mirror thing so, i'm not uh, sure if it's my left or stage left i think it's stage right mm. something like that yeah. yeah i don't know well mark like so many stinky things bad news trickles down and Leslie must now break the bad news to the porpoises, and she also comes up with a plan to circumvent the log jam. Mm, See what I did there? I do. Yeah, I do. Pretty good. Hello, Ellen Yuck. I um, like that sauce in there, Ace. <laughs> rock that scuba. Scuba. Oh. All right. A short time later, we we once again see Leslie and Tom in her new office, this time uh, once again joined by four members of the Pawnee Porpoises swim team. And Leslie tells them the news, which alarms the kids, but Leslie tells them, you know, stay positive. And then, hey, Tom, for no particular reason, will you step into my bathroom <laughs> with me for a quick word? And then the camera goes into the bathroom with them for a quick word. And we see that Leslie is starting to panic. The bill is dead. The porpoises are doomed. Democracy's over. She starts to remove the rollers from her hair. And Tom hypothesizes, you know what? Jam probably saw you on Pawnee Today with Joan. And he knows how much you want this. And he's probably just using this as a bargaining tool to get something he wants. Leslie stubbornly goes back. She refuses to even talk with Jam. Screw screw that guy. And instead, she decides that she's going to go visit Councilman Milton in an attempt to get his vote on the bill. Milton? He's like 150 years old. Well, like maybe last year. (laughs) But, you know, Leslie says, and that was Tom's point, but Leslie says, look, he's he's got grandkids and they like to swim. Yeah. So she's got something she can maybe hang her hat on. I guess so. We'll find out. Yeah. Well, while Leslie works to save the fun in the sun bill, Ron, with some help, see my air quotes there, Mark, uh-huh. uh, from Andy, is also finding a workaround for the failures of communication between the so-called government of Pawnee and its citizens. Mm. Well, Ron and Andy approach a pothole in the middle of a suburban neighborhood, <laughs> and there are two small girls there playing outside, dressed like a princess and a mermaid, being friendly and being Andy. Andy starts talking with them. Sure. And complimenting them on their dress because it's really pretty. Very and then cute. starts chasing them and plays tag with them. And Ron just stands there while all of this happens, shakes his head, and then finally mugs directly at the camera and says, your tax dollars at work. <laughs> Which kind of goes hand in hand with what he thinks of the government. It really like does. That's what you're paying for, this large man child <laughs> chasing this princess and mermaid around. Well, but Marquis is the one that got them permission. He did ask the princesses for permission yeah. he, he to work on Doth right, Yonder Pothole. <laughs> he did go down the right legal channel. He really right. did. Yep, yeah. Yep, yep. So, yeah, we can avoid that lawsuit later on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, back in the D.C. parking garage, April reviews Ben's musical tastes. And as you would expect, he does not have any neutral milk hotel in his CD collection. Oh, if only. Ben and April are still (laughs) stuck in the parking garage using the car's AC on this sweltering day. April has resorted to looking through Ben's music collection 
asks him a few questions about it, and then finally lands on something called Benji's Cool <laughs> Times Summer Jams Mix with jam spelled J-A-M-Z. Well, of course. Ben is very reluctant to play it, but April forces the matter and puts the, puts it in the car's <laughs> CD player. And then we hear, shoop, shoop-a-doop, shoop-a-doop. <laughs> April shakes her head slowly, looks at Ben. <laughs> really? Ben. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. <laughs> hey, I like TLC. I don't know what her problem is. Yeah, me too. She she also doesn't like the black eyed peas. I think that's been established as well. But she killed them in she, that painting. She she destroyed them yeah. with her sword. Yeah. Like she, Conan the Barbarian. They're out of there. They're out. So or like Xena Warrior Princess, as a matter of fact. Oh yeah, she was like Xena. Oh, I see that. See tie what in. I did there? I do. See? It's all coming around. For, foreshadowing. It's foreshadowing. Well, meanwhile, Leslie is in the process of interrupting Councilman Milton's 58-year lunch streak in pursuit of the vote she needs to save the porpoises. Yes, Leslie and Tom, sure enough, they are hunkered down in Councilman Milton's office, and they're trying to talk to him about how he's going to vote on the Fun in the Sun bill. They're trying to get his vote. This is really good. Hey, <laughs> hey, Harvey, can you go ahead and play this clip, please? Thanks. Councilman, I'd like to talk to you about the fun in the sun bill, and I don't mean to rush you, but the vote is in an hour. When I'm done eating, we'll talk. I've eaten the same lunch for 58 years. Caesar salad, extra dressing, extra croutons, and extra anchovies. (laughs) Mm. Mm. Councilman Milton was first elected as a city councilor in 1948 as a member of the Dixiecrat Party. Their platform, deintegrate baseball. Oh. The secret is in the dressing. <laughs> Try it. It's an aphrodisiac. <laughs> you too, my strange foreign friend. No, thank you. <laughs> Tom, eat some. I'm not eating racist salad. The more we eat, the faster we talk. Mmm. <laughs> mmm. You can really taste the ignorance. It's pronounced anchovies. <laughs> uh, uh, that's classic. That's funny. It. That's funny okay, stuff. Here you are. Yeah, I know. That's good stuff. You know, maybe uh, you should get uh, Constantine to like, hear some of that jokes there because those are good. Mm. They're not even onion themed. Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, miracles anchovies. can happen. It's a big universe. So. Yeah. I mean, move on from onions to anchovies at least. That's a huge leap. But I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll, we'll see what he says. Well, back at the pothole adjacent to the princess kingdom, Ron gets a chance to meet the pothole's owner and things get off to a questionable start. They certainly do. We see Ron at work. He's taking steps to fill in the aforementioned pothole. And then we see a woman named Diane Lewis, presumably the same Diane that Ron was talking to on the phone earlier. And she walks out to Ron and they make introductions. And Ron explains that A, The large boy playing with her daughters is indeed my colleague. And then B, they are both from the parks department. Diane seems rather irritated that it took a department other than public works to come and address this pothole issue. Ron simply explains it appears the proper channels were not working. Weird. And he just decided to do it himself. I mean, I, I've got to give him a little bit of credit here. You know, he he's always bashing government, yeah. but he is willing to kind of go help out. I think that's kind of admirable, actually. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, liability issues. I mean, the legal departments are going to love it, but, you know. Well, you know, but you got to get hold of them first. That's true. <laughs> that's the good news. That's right. <laughs> Maybe they'll call 311 and they <laughs> won't get routed. Oh, God. <laughs> 
Well, back in Councilman Milton's chamber, Milton has finished his racist salad and moves on to a recounting of his lineage. Holy cow and a half. Yeah, we're we're back in Councilman Milton's office (laughs) and he's uh he's really starting to ramble like yeah. he's maybe becoming borderline incoherent at times and and this is a series of a bunch of short scenes here we're yeah, kind yeah, of bouncing yeah. back and forth right yeah. so i mean and it's very funny and very well yeah. done by by uh, uh councilman milton there the actor yeah but leslie becomes concerned with all this uh rambling and says you know this might not work like we this 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 going with milton might not work at all and so tom says all right i'm gonna get up and i'm gonna try to find jam and i'm gonna see if he'll bargain and then tom gets up and leaves well still in the car and stuck in the parking garage ben moves on from music that april does not appreciate to books actually even worse fan fiction that april does not want to hear (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is this is a very short but funny scene. We we return to Washington, D.C., where, like before, Ben and April are still stuck in the parking garage using the car's A.C. to keep cool. And we then see that Ben has turned on his tablet. I, I think it's a tablet in the car and has apparently pulled up some of his personal Star Trek fan fiction <laughs> and is reading the Star Trek fan fiction <laughs> out loud to April. <laughs> April is staring exasperated, annoyed daggers straight into the camera like she cannot even believe this is happening. <laughs> she goes, I'm going to murder you. And he goes, I understand. Just one second. And I then just, he just keeps yeah, reading. Just, I get it. You're going to murder it. me. Just let me finish this. Let me finish this. Yes. He, he's on a roll, Mark. Oh, he certainly is. Oh, boy. Well, back at the pothole, relations take a turn for the better, and we see a new princess in the making and the sad results of a poor spelling education. (laughs) That's a good summary. (laughs) Thank you. Ron is using a jackhammer out on the street wearing ear protectors, and Andy and the girls are standing by watching him with their fingers in their ears. Diane comes out with a cool, refreshing beverage. Uh, This is great. Hey, Harvey, can you go ahead and play this clip, buddy? Thanks. Lemonade? Please and thank you. Hey, I'm sorry if I was curt earlier. I'm a single mom and sometimes things get chaotic around here. And when you shut up from the parts department... No need to apologize. I understand completely. This is delicious. Well, I got it from food and stuff, so... Oh, uh-oh. That's where I got these gloves. Right? So, how exactly <laughs> are you gonna fix this hole? Just for my own edification. Uh, I dug the loose gravel out of the hole. Now I'm using a jackhammer to remove the larger pieces. Then I'll spray down the hole to settle the dust Mm. and fill it with cold patch asphalt. Well, thank you. Now I can fix the next one myself. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Ron and Diane sitting in a tree. K-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. Do you hear that bird? (laughs) (laughs) Laser focus on that Laser focus. Yup. Mark, my my two favorite things about that scene are one that Diane used one of my favorite words, uh, edification. Oh, I, I love I thought you were going to say food and stuff. Uh, well, no, that's also another favorite, <laughs> certainly of Ron's. <laughs> yeah. And then the look on Andy's face when he realizes that this could be the beginning of some sort of a yeah. love connection. Oh, my. He was excited. That's terrific. Well, back at City Hall, Leslie confronts Jam on his demands, and we finally get down to brass tacks, or at least brass bathroom fixtures anyway. <laughs> Leslie and Tom have apparently found 
Councilman Jeremy Jam. I think they're in a hallway somewhere. I'm not sure exactly where, but they're they're talking with them. And Leslie point blank asks Jam, what do you want in exchange for voting yes on the Fun in the Sun bill? Jam point blank tells Leslie, I want your toilet. Meaning, of course, her entire office complete with the private bathroom. Leslie is incredibly annoyed and frustrated that Jam's quid pro quo here isn't even about policy. It just says, nope, I refuse to do it. Tom clearly thinks this is a no brainer and tries to talk Leslie into it, but she ain't having it. She stubbornly sticks to her guns, says she's going to get Milton's vote instead. Storms off. Well, Mark, you know, Jam says, uh, you know, he doesn't want to brag, but he's got irritable bowel syndrome. You I'm, haven't. I'm not sure if he understands the concept of why one would brag in the first place. I know. I yeah. know. That's a dumb thing to be proud Got of. Got that a little mixed up. Right. Yeah. Well, back at the street, formerly known as the pothole at Diane's. Right. Andy's transformation is complete. And we see the cutest example of real life peer pressure at work. We see Ron approaching, I think, the end stages of filling the pothole. He's starting to tamp down the cold patch yeah. asphalt yeah. and... He, he asks Andy for help, you, you know, because it's on account of it's hard work and takes two <laughs> two men uh, to finish this. Um, Too bad there's not two men there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and Andy says, oh, you're asking me for help, but you need to call me by my right name. I've told you, Ron. It's Princess Rainbow <laughs> Sparkle, which then makes more sense once Ron looks over at Andy and sees what the two young girls have done with him. Makeup everywhere, wearing a tiara, it's just oh, that kind of thing. It's, he is a princess du jour. At this point, the girls start asking, Ron, if they can turn him into a princess and his initial response, I love this, is an indignant, no, (laughs) he's not even having it. But Andy and the girls don't let up and they don't let up and they don't let up, please. please. And you hear uh, a heavy sigh out of Ron. I think we know which direction this is going to go. Yeah, we can can pretty much imagine. Mark, I don't know if you can see it over my shoulder there, but, you know, we've got my little uh, Funko Pop collection back there. I have Andy as a rainbow uh, princess, Princess Rainbow Sparkle. Get out of here. Yeah, right there. Wow. Pretty cool. Number 1147, as a matter of fact. Check it out. You are such a nerd. I know. And And you're jealous. jealous. Yeah, I was going to say. That's pretty cool. I know what this is all about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mark, back in City Hall, we have quite a scene involving Caesar salad dressing, political quid pro quo, and French dressing. Actually, Mark, I'm sorry. That that should say French kissing. I'm sorry. Oh, even worse. But we had a salad theme going there. You can see why I made that mistake. I certainly do. LOL and yuck. All right. So Leslie and Tom, look, they tried talking with Jam. Yeah. That guy can go. How'd that go? He can go honk Herman. So they're back (laughs) in Milton's office now, and they're apparently trying to take another shot at getting his vote. So we see Milton holding a printout of the Fun in the Sun bill, and it's complete with details and pictures and that sort of thing. And Milton seems to think it's impressive. When Leslie asks him if she has his vote, he says yes. And then he thinks maybe they'll see what the deal with the kiss. And <laughs> Leslie not? does not agree to that. And Milton leans forward towards oh, Leslie no. anyway. And Leslie moves out of the way. <laughs> and Milton fall down, go boom. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> He's old, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm surprised he didn't just like dissolve into a pile of dust like a vampire. I, I've seen that. I've, I've seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I know how this works. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's down. Wow. Not he's not too hurt to ask for a French he, he's kiss. He's not out. Yeah, well, sure. Yeah. Well, she says, uh, look, I'll kiss you. 
Because she feels bad. With tongue? No. <laughs> oh, that Milton. Yikes. Yeah. Well, Mark, following what we will now refer to as dressing gate, <laughs> Leslie tries to maneuver around Jam, but he holds steady despite her efforts. Oh, bad guy. He's a I don't like him. Not bad guy. I don't like him. So they're they're in the hallway again. And Leslie and Tom and Councilman Jeremy Jam watch Milton being taken away on a stretcher. Leslie tries to talk Jam into postponing the vote until Milton gets better, but Jam ain't having it. He's going to push the vote through, and he knows it's not going to pass. Tom once again tries to talk Leslie into giving Jam what he wants, but Leslie refuses. I do not negotiate with dentists. Our and AKA. storms off. I gotta tell you, Alan, I I had no idea that Leslie was anti-dentite. <laughs> nice, very nice. Thank you. Well done. All right. Well done. Well, back at Diane's, it turns out that the newest princess is a bit sensitive, but can somehow walk on hot lava. Crazy. Well, you know, I I, I know how mutants are created. It's that X gene. <laughs> it's you know, the powers X can appear yeah. from anywhere. That's right. So back at the pothole, or the place formerly. Uh, having the pothole, I guess we see uh, Diane Lewis come out to check on everything, you know, see how things are going. And she sees Ron and Andy sitting with her two daughters at the Zoe and Ivy. Is that, or is that yeah, their names? That's their names. Oh, that's, that's they're wonderful. Adorable. Zoe and Ivy and, and Ron and Andy. And they're all at this little plastic play table and the front yard <laughs> and, and Diane approaches them and Ron's back is to her. So she just goes, Oh, well, has, how's everything uh, going there? And then Ron turns around doink, to look at her. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> covered with makeup not expecting this <laughs> diane cracks up yeah right in his face <laughs> feeling kind of humiliated whatever ron gets up <laughs> curtly thank you for the lemonade the asphalt will bear weight in an hour and he storms off time to go andrew <laughs> well, a little sensitive <laughs> Big deal. Oh, well, we'll see what happens with that. Well, from the Sparkle Palace back to D.C., (laughs) Ben and April finally get to move after hours of waiting and everything turns out great. Right. Right, Mark. That's what happened. (sighs) We can only hope. All right. Devil's butt crack incoming back at the Washington, D.C. parking garage. Yep. The traffic starts moving. They they were dozing. And so the traffic starts moving and that wakes up Ben and yeah. he's all excited. He says to April, 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 the, the traffic's moving. Oh, it's about time. Okay, let's go. And he puts the car in gear and they move a few feet and you hear it. Put, put, sputter, sputter, put, 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 put. It ran out of gas. Oh, boy. And they, they sit there in silence for a few seconds. And then April opens her mouth, looks straight up and screams like a Peanuts character. You mean something like this, Mark? Ah! <laughs> That's exactly right. Oh, I love that. Um, both April and Ben just sit there, rear back their heads and go, Ah! <laughs> they have had it. Oh, boy. Yeah. What a day. Well, as Ben and April are screaming, the city council is taking its vote, and it's finally time to see the outcome of this vote, Mark. We now see a shot inside the Pawnee City Council Chambers, where Councilman Hauser is bringing up the next order of business, the Fun in the Sun Act. I think we should play this clip so we can see how this all turns out. I would agree with that. Harvey, hit the button, buddy. Next order of business, the Fun in the Sun Act introduced by Councilwoman Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Councilman, I move that the bill be read in its entirety. 
Ms. Beavers? Fine. <laughs> Pawnee Municipal Code Amendment 217. Buying time, I see. What's up? You can have my office. Okay, why don't you, uh, why don't you sweeten the pot? You can have my parking space. And? And I will get Invisaligns from you. And? And that is enough. And shut up, and I hate you. We got a deal. Can't wait to drop my kids at the pool. My kids, I mean turds. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God he explained it, Mark, because I could not crack that code. Yeah, yeah. He just likes to cut through the haze. <laughs> Say what he means, means what he says. Yeah, he cut through the haze and head into the fog. Oh, Ooh. yikes. Sorry. And a half. Sorry I said that. Yeah. Well, Ron and Andy return to City Hall. And Ron apparently knows two things, Mark. One, how to deliver babies who are being difficult. And two, he does not, does not like Diane. All right. Well, back in the bullpen, we see... Donna is actually on the phone as she's telling someone about wow. the book. She must have finished been, the book. She's been, yeah, yeah, she's she's telling them about the book she's been reading, uh, the, the the Fifty Shades of Grey, or however many shades of grey. Fifty seven. I, I, I never looked like it up. The sauce. Um <laughs> and we also see Jerry on the phone. He's apparently still unintentionally taking 911 calls, this time trying to help someone deliver a baby that's coming out face up. I don't know. And <laughs> and then we see Ron and Andy return. They enter the bullpen. And Ron just, just bah, he just walks straight into his office and Andy follows him and Andy tries to convince him. Diane is awesome. And the two of you like each other. And Ron insists he does not like Diane. She's not his type. And her life is messy. And Andy responds by saying, Ron, messy is fun. My whole life is a giant mess and I love it. However, Ron stubbornly sticks to his guns and refuses to pursue Diane. I love he says, um, A, I don't recall inviting you in here. And B, I do not like her. Right. She's not my type. Liar. <laughs> liar, liar, pants on fire. I know. I'm surprised Andy didn't say that at some point here. Would have been fitting. It would have been fitting. Well, back at the parking garage, Ben and April taking things in stride and doing better than I would, frankly. Oh, my gosh. Me too. Are you kidding me? So, yeah, we're back in the Washington, D.C. parking garage and April steers the car while Ben pushes it off to the side into one of the empty parking spaces. <laughs> April puts on the parking brake. It's out of the car. And now the rest of the traffic can flow, honking angrily at them as they drive by. Yeah. Ben and April complain to each other for a while about how atrocious this experience was, but eventually end up chuckling at the whole thing. And Ben even offers to buy plane tickets so that they can Aww. fly to Pawnee next weekend. That's nice. Yeah. I mean, it is one of those situations that we've all been in where things just go so bad. You kind of have to laugh. But you know what? I, I love in this scene what he did at the very end, because you know how when when April first introduced the concept of them road tripping. Oh, yes. She that goes, terrific. never mind. I don't want to do it. Yes, I do. No, I don't. And they kind of like screwed with his head a little bit. <laughs> and and he said, you know, hey, how about we fly to Pawnee, yeah. Nick, you know, next weekend? That'd be take, awesome. Tickets are on T. And, and April just genuinely like, really? Oh, my gosh, that would be awesome. Definitely. And he pauses. Nah, never mind. I don't feel like it. What? Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> See how it feels. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Classic. That's uh, pretty funny. Yeah. Well, you know, it's it, there's like a, a childish theme running through this episode. Well. Kind of fun. Sometimes you need it. Yeah, sometimes you do need it. Well, wrapping up back at City Hall, congratulations and dinner invitations are in order and on the menu. No pun intended. Well, okay. Yes, it was. A little bit. Yeah. A little yeah. intended. <laughs> 
So we're back in the bullpen and and Chris is congratulating the gang for their good work regarding the 311 phone bank. Oh, yeah. Particularly Ron, who apparently has one very satisfied citizen who, by the way, is currently out in the hallway and wants to thank you herself, Ron. Hmm. So Ron walks out into the hallway and we see Diane sitting on a bench and she gets up once she sees him. And Ron tries to do a preemptive strike in case Diane is there to complain about the pothole. But as it turns out, Diane is there for a much more important reason to ask Ron out for dinner. Diane tells Ron she's a middle school vice principal and she doesn't screw around. Does that freak you out? And he responds smiling. No, on the contrary, (laughs) accepts her dinner invitation with please and thank you. I love, she has a great sense of humor too. And she says, by the way, it'll be casual. No need to wear makeup. (laughs) Which is a great, is a great (laughs) line. And then she walks away and and the camera lingers on Ron for just a second. He gets that small goofy Mm -hmm. smile that you sometimes see. And he has a a talking head at the end of this where he's, and he's trying to, you know, regain his composure a little bit in his office, you know, and and I begrudgingly admit the three one one program is a moderate success because he, because he got dinner date. Um, And, you know, I'm still not why the citizen decided to speak to me in person. Quick cut by the camera to Andy drawing a message on the asphalt in pink lipstick (laughs) Ron likes you. City Hall, first floor. Nice. That's sweet. That was very nice. And, you know, he's like, but I'm just I'm just happy to finally see a government program work. And the camera <laughs> lingers on Ron for a second. And that small, that goo- little that little small yep. goofy <laughs> grin comes back. So uh, we'll see what happens. It's good stuff. Yup. Well, finally, Leslie, Tom, Jam, and the porpoises are all back at the pool celebrating the political victory. And uh, Mark, someone here needs a muzzle. Boy, you you ain't just whistling Dixie yeah. there, Buster. So outside at the Pawnee Public Pool, we have victory. victory yay, yay, we did it. Pool. And Leslie and Tom and Councilman Jam are standing with the swim team and they're celebrating the bill becoming a law. And, and uh, hey, Harvey, let's play this one last clip, buddy. Thanks. Okay, so let's get ready for the photo, guys. I want you to arrange yourselves from most excited about democracy to least excited. (laughs) Wait a minute, everybody's excited? I bet you are, because your bill just became law. Well, you know, I can't believe you traded your office to keep this crap hole pool open for a couple more weeks a year. Hey, can you not say that in front of the kids, please? I'm trying to teach them how great government is. Oh, this is a teaching moment. Great. Hey, uh, kids, would you like to learn how Leslie got your bill passed? Councilwoman Nope traded my vote for her. <laughs> what the hell, man? Why'd you do that? Um, um because it's fun in the sun. Everybody in the pool! There she goes. Yay, pool! There he goes. Yay, democracy! <laughs> oh no, my perm! Oh my god. Uh Speaking of nice gestures, you know, got Andy with a pink lipstick. Mm-hmm. I got Tom pushing jam in the pool mm-hmm. to protect the porpoises from, you know, the underbelly of uh, political, uh, you know, wrangling mark. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. If, if Leslie's going to sacrifice everything she sacrificed, you know, that that's good on Tom to not let jam besmirch this yeah. this yeah. arguably nice moment. Yeah. Little moment of redemption for it, him. It really was. Yeah. A couple, in, a couple weeks in a row here, as a matter of fact. It's getting scary. It might be a, a pattern. I know. I'm starting to like Tom. I only hope. Well, lastly, Mark, and in the kicker, Leslie has a little treat for Tom, as a matter of fact. She certainly does. 
we see Leslie open the door to her new, new office, not the one that we saw at the yeah, beginning the Sans of the Sans bathroom. Sans bathroom. Yeah. Not uh, Sans Serif, but, you know, the fonts last week. <laughs> no, no, no. Sans bathroom. Yeah, 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 yeah. She has Tom in tow. And Leslie tells Tom two interesting b- tidbits regarding her new, new office. A, it's across the courtyard from his office so that they can wave at each other. <laughs> B, it is also... Pawnee's newest and most exclusive cigar club, Tom's Smokehouse. And Leslie then presents Tom with a smoking jacket embroidered with the name Smoke Smoke Dog Dog. (laughs) and (laughs) ushers him to his Tommy Haverford member's chair. And Tom sits down and Leslie hands him a cigar and Tom takes it, letting Leslie light it for him. And Tom takes a few puffs and then Tom proclaims. I do not like this. <laughs> Fade to black. Fade to black. Yep. Oh, yeah, I can relate to that just a little bit. Yep. All right, Mark. Very nice job on the breakdown. Yeah. Uh, let's do this. Let's take a quick break. We'll we'll consult with the folks backstage and uh, we'll come back and then uh, wrap this thing up. Capital Ideal Sport. Sounds like a plan. Yep. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. Three one one. Please state your problem. Yes, I'm having a problem with my trees. What seems to be the problem? Well, I don't have any. Do you want to have trees? Not really. Sir, what exactly is the problem? I would like to think I could have trees. You know, if I wanted them. Thank you for calling three one one. Hey, Ron. Let's take a quick break while we check our levels and playback. We'll be live again in 60 seconds. Fine. I'll be on pins and needles until then. While I have a minute, let me catch you up. As you likely know, I am Parks and Recreation Director Ron Swanson. What you may not know is that our city manager, Chris Traeger, recently created the 311 service that allows the citizens of Pawnee to call into a single source for information or assistance with whatever problem they may be having. As a City Hall employee, we are each required to serve so many hours to help get the 311 project off the ground during the pilot test. Unfortunately, I recently chose to leave early to directly assist a very nice woman, er, er, a citizen, by filling the pothole in front of her house. (laughs) Stop it, Tom. I told you that is not a euphemism. That is actually what happened. Sheesh, grow up. At any rate, because I did not meet my volunteer quota on launch day, I am now being voluntold to finish my minimum requirement this evening. And, as if that were not enough, Chris has also decided in his infinite wisdom to capture several of my citizen interactions this evening to be used as official training material for the permanent staff, if this 311 becomes a real thing. Wish me luck. Ron, we're ready to roll again. Why don't you go live and take some calls? Oh, boy. 311, how can I help you today? (laughs) Hey, man. Yes. Uh, Hey, man, is your refrigerator running? Uh, Yes. Uh, Well, you better go catch it, man. Oh, boy. Three one one. How can I be of service? Hello. Yes, ma'am. Please state your query. 
Yes, ma'am. The national call before you dig number is 811. Three one one. How can I direct you? You need to do something about Ramsey Park. Yes, sir. What seems to be the problem? There are pigeons everywhere. Pigeons, sir? Yes, pigeons. And what's worse, none of them have leashes. Huh? You don't say. Come down here right now and put these pigeons on leashes. Uh, well, my good sir, I won't be handling this problem directly because that would probably be too efficient. <clears throat> so I will be transferring you to Pawnee Animal Control. Wait. Yes, sir. Please be sure to ask for Brett and Harris. They'll be sure to help you. Not those two stoners. Uh, thank you for calling 311. Transferring you now. 311, please state your issue. Um, yeah. I'm planning on throwing a lawn dart party, and I'm looking for some grub that we can barbecue. Well, sir, barbecue equals meat in my book. I would recommend you pick up some bulk packages of ground beef at your local food and stuff. Food and stuff? That's right. And for what it's worth, they also sell lawn darts, in case you own an incomplete set. Well, okay. Oh, before I go, do you know where I can pick up exotic fish food? Same place, sir. Really? Wow, that's quite a store. You said a mouthful, sir. Thank you for calling 311. 311, how can I help you? Um, yeah. I I'd like to place an order to go, please. I'm sorry, this is 311? Yep. Um, I'll take your Pizza Hut special. Two large pepperoni pizzas with a side order of breadsticks. Pizza Hut? Wait a second. I know who this is. Son, you're asking for a world of hurt. Don't make me put Leslie back on your track, Pachitis. <laughs> and tell your punk friends to stop calling. That does it. I've officially had enough. Ron, can't we get just a few more? Tell you what, uh, Nathan, is it? That's right. I'm producing this training video. Right. Well, I have a business proposition for you. I propose you and your crew shut down for the evening or find another sap. Um, why would we do that? Because I will furthermore propose that you kick back and relax with this beautiful bottle of Lagavulin that I just happen to have here while I make like a tree and leave. You just keep a bottle of Lagavulin laying around? <laughs> Son, this is my backup emergency bottle. Do we have a deal? Yes, sir. We do indeed. Good man. Everybody! 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 <laughs> Uh-oh, I hear Chris coming. Remember, I was here earlier and something was wrong with the camera. I'm out of here. All right, everybody, we're back. Well, Mark, you know, you mentioned it earlier. We do have some deleted scenes we in do. this episode. Yeah, yep. if you've got the DVDs, check those out. I've got 13 scenes 
roughly, if you include the talking heads, about four minutes and 31 seconds. And there's some very interesting ones in this week. There are. And sometimes we measure them whether or not we think they're funny and should have been included or advance the plot. In this case, there are some alts that I think are pretty important. Um, the one that struck me the most is that Leslie does go get the Invisalign procedure from Jam mm-hmm. instead of basically in the hallway saying, screw you, you know, right. I'm not going to do your thing. Right, she right. She caves and goes and gets Invisaligns. And it becomes clear later at the pool that she's had that done because she's trying to talk with them in her mouth. Mm, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So that's interesting. I'm, I'm glad they didn't go that route. I think that would have bothered me. Yeah, but it is interesting just to see it as an alternate yeah. path idea they went I mean, down. I guess she did already kind of agree to it. Yeah. And they're aside there in the chambers. Right. But um, just the sequence of events would have changed. A it would have bit. changed. And it, I don't know. It would have been even one more thing to kind of spoil the moment, I guess. I like one of the scenes where th- I think this is where Chris was was congratulating the gang on their success with the 311 phone yeah, bank. Yeah. And he oh, says, yes. he, and I'm paraphrasing, but he says something yeah. to the effect of, well, Jerry, you did a great job. First of all, let me say you did a great job. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, you did a crappy job with the 311. Oh, sure. But you did a great job fielding 911 calls. But you're going to be charged a fee <laughs> because you haven't gone through the training for 911 uh-huh. calls. And so. you're not a union member. And so, you know, you would think like someone would go, what the bleep? You yeah. know, I was trying to help you out. And instead, Jerry's like, oh. Oh, thanks, man. I dodged a bullet there. <laughs> like, oh my poor God. Jerry. Jerry, Jerry punching his own face. I know. Yes. Self-punching bag. Self-punching bag. Yeah. yeah. The other all I found interesting, this is the last one I'll bring up, unless you've got others, was Diane gets scary in this one scene when she yells basically at the kids. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ron thinks he's she's yelling at him. She goes, put it down. He's like, okay. He jumps and like, you know. It's 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 interesting. Well, we we already know that Ron, as as much of a manly alpha male as yeah, he is, yeah. he responds to strong women. Oh yeah, absolutely. And that was a strong woman, yeah. and he responded. Yeah, it would have changed the complexion, I think, of her character a little bit. It was funny, but it's another one of those probably made the good choice not to put it in. I agree because you you don't want her to come across as like just overbearing and yeah. commanding like the Tammies. Right. Maybe a, a match for Ron. That, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and I like that they, you know, we'll talk about this in a minute. I like that they she started off a little grumpy and then they kind of warmed up to each other. Right. So, anyway. Okay. Uh, whatever. Yeah. If you've got the DVDs, <laughs> check out those uh, 13 scenes there. They're worth a watch for sure this yep. week. Mark, how about tropes first and fun facts? Uh, what'd you come up with this week? I had... Two maybe gimmies for the first. I had, uh, they're both regarding uh, guest stars. We had our first appearance as Lucy Lawless as uh, Diane Lewis. We also had our, our first appearance of John Glazer as Councilman Jeremy Jam, That's DDS. Right. Yeah. Uh, how about you? Did I miss any? Um, no, I, I think those were roughly the f- same first I had. I, I think this is the first time we've learned about the porpoises. She supposedly had oh, that's you true. Know, participated yeah, yeah. in that as a kid. And we've learned about some of her other shenanigans as a young lady and uh, right. Pawnee. But uh, it's the first time we've heard about the porpoises. Very nice. Yeah. So how about um, tropes or, or fun facts, Mark? Tropes. I had uh, I had a handful of tropes. Um, I had I had City Hall murals. But but to be fair, only because once again, we were in council chambers and once again, we saw the big mural that's yeah. hanging there. Good pony, bad pony. So eventually, I think I might not mention this if it's the only mural that we see. But but for now, I'm like, it's been a while since we did murals. So I wanted to list it. 
Um, PBJ. Yeah. Because there's oh, been a bunch my, of those in gosh, here. Yes. It's very funny. Yeah. Um, I had a JCVL and CJVL, which stands for Joan Calamezzo versus Leslie and nice. Councilman Jam versus, versus Leslie. Leslie. Yeah. Very antagonistic. You know, Leslie antagonist list is is getting full here, but it really I, I like it. I like it. Um, Sweet Stupid Andy. Oh, my God. Yeah. A bunch. K-I-S-S-I-S-S-I-P-P-I. Yep. I mean, stupid. And then how sweet. How sweet was that? Yeah. Writing with the lipstick. Yeah. That, that, nice. that boy's heart's in, his, in the right place. <laughs> um, his brain I, isn't, but his heart is. <laughs> I had, uh, I don't know if I've used this. I think we've done this acronym in one way or another. I had B-I-N. Ben is a nerd. Oh, yeah. Uh, Star Trek fan fiction. And then yeah. we've had lots of Ben nerdy yep. stuff before. Yep. Uh, and I had uh, I don't know if we've done this before, but I think we could make a case for it. Terrifying April. I, I think it's pretty good. I mean, yeah. I mean, and so to tax, uh, she threatens. Uh, what's his name there? Smell us. Uh, smell us. Yeah. 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 And uh, gave him the, the like the kiss of death, like oh, Godfather yeah. style on the Holy nose crap. and smack across the face. Yeah. 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 So she can be very scary. She can. Absolutely. And that's all I had. How about you? Um, I think that's all I had is, oh, sorry. One other trope, Donna mugs to the camera. Oh, very nice. There's a solid, solid one there. Very nice. She doesn't get to do that very often. I I like this one. I thought it was well done. So Well, and you know what? Now that we're, now I'm thinking about it, when Ron mugs to the camera, your tax dollars at work, like he looks directly into the fourth wall. He did break the fourth wall. That's a good point. He doesn't do that very often either. No. No, That's a great point. How about any fun facts, Mark, or uh, goofs this week? This is a rarity. I had no goofs or fun facts. How about you? Um, I, there were a couple I can contribute to the internet, and then one I, I kind of picked out on my own. Hmm. Um, well, I guess they're the same in this case. Um, you know, I, I knew that Ben Wyatt, Adam Scott, in real life, there, uh, you know, not only writes Star Trek fan fiction, but uh, Adam Scott appeared in Star Trek first contact in 1996. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did yeah. know that. He's got that Star Trek connection. So yeah, he's that got that fun. cred. Yeah, he does have that cred. Yep. And then I, I did read that uh, someone said that this was the, you know, the second of 18 appearances by John Glazer. Um, I think you and I disagree with that. False. We, false, right. Yeah, that this is really the first time he appears. Someone else playing Jam who had no lines appeared well, in Soda Tax. And I question this because I think as we said in the last episode, the guy that they had as a, a jam stand-in yeah. kind of looked like him. A little. A little bit. And, and they didn't really focus on him. So I thought, is it possible? Based on that scene, maybe. But I did some research and all the other sources I found said, nope. Specifically, John Glazer's first appearance was this episode. Was this episode. Yep. That's what I thought as well. And if I if I go to the credits here, I, I think I can see that he did not get a credit in last week's episode. Right. Now, More, as you alluded to, they've, they've shown his nameplate quite a few did. episodes yeah, ago. Yeah, at least twice. Right. So yeah. they, they knew they were going to commit yeah. to that name. That's true. Yeah. yeah. The only other fun fact I had was that Councilman Milton, by, played by James Green, mm. uh, was not made up to look older. He was actually 85 at the time he filmed this. But like you said, that's still only second place. Oh, yeah, yeah. Carl Reiner, yeah. I think we said when he was, he was a guest 90 star. 90 when he did it, I think. And he, he took the first prize, yeah. if you will, for the oldest person as a as a guest star. Yeah. And both still um, very good and uh, funny people. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely so. By the way, James Green, Councilman Milton, did mm. pass away in 2018. Mm. Uh, Harvey sent me a note. So, ah, yeah. Gotcha. I mean, what a good guy he is. He is. Yeah. So. Multi-talented. Oh, definitely. Mm-hmm. For sure. He tell jokes that aren't about onions. We'll see. Or we'll find out. Mm-hmm. 
All right, Mark. Well, hey, let's get into our score then. All right. Well, I had a hard time trying to settle on an MVP, and I think I just finally took the easy way out, and I went with yeah. my with my man crush, Nick Offerman, as Ron Swanson. Um, so my my reason solo a solo MVP a solo okay um, fair. and I thought that there were a lot of good performances in this, but yeah, I I wanted to to pick out Nick Offerman for this. I, I've always said that I personally never tire of uh, Nick Offerman going to the well once again mm. with his Swanson-esque shenanigans. And for me, this is no exception. There were there were so many times in this episode where I laughed out loud at the over-the-top yet satisfying, overwhelming maleness of, <laughs> of Ron Swanson, which gets even better when he gets a little poke with the humility stick oh, yeah. and takes him down a peg just yeah. to make sure he doesn't get too Ron. <laughs> and as, as we've seen before, Ron plus little girl equals comedy gold. Oh, yeah. That, that's just a given. Always. That's just math. That's <laughs> um, Ron's pairing with Andy just in general in this series is is one of my favorites. Yeah. And, and this is no exception. Them playing off each other is perfect. I, I think it works so well because in their own way, they're opposites, not in a political way like he and Leslie are, but right. rather like from a temperament perspective. You that's know, true. like Andy, of course, Andy would know exactly how to talk to and play with the small girls and have no ego when it comes to getting transformed into a proper princess with tons of makeup. Ron did. Um, Ron's middle school delivery of shut up <laughs> when Andy called out Ron for wanting to impress Diane. I love that. That was you know, a great Like moment. we're all back in middle school again. Um, <laughs> So a few additional notes. Um, in general, this was an interesting journey into a single whirlwind day for the gang in three different locations fighting three different battles. Yep. I just I kind of like that. I like that, too. Chris, Donna and Jerry were barely in the episode, only vaguely attached as part of the Ron Andy storyline, which I, I get per what you said earlier, how it could maybe be considered to be splintered. It's off. a half story at best. Yeah. 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 And furthermore, Anne absent altogether. Yeah. So definitely not the best use of their deep comedy bench like they're not going to win any awards for that for this episode for all we know rashida had a conflict or something i i, yeah, I usually yeah, yeah. try to look that up when someone you know who is 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 you know in the top build cast right is not there because you know they get vacation at other times so right. when they're not there there's usually something going on right right but I, I didn't have a chance to do it so maybe maybe we can look that up for next week that's a good idea um but having said that, so each of the three storylines used a pairing that we've seen work well before, with five of the six being typical heavy hitters for the show. Leslie and Tom, yep. A story. Ron and Andy, B story. Ben and April, C story. Yep. Um, I like John Glazer's role as Councilman Jeremy Jam DDS, which does not stand for dumb, dumb, stupid. Although, he, you know what? His his I'm a big fat jerk vibe was nearly Seinfeldian in nature. It just it, pretty close. But, but I liked it. Yeah, I liked it. I, I think he makes a worthy addition to the list of Leslie antagonists, especially since Leslie didn't really beat him in this episode. He no. he got. Yeah, he, he got the wanted. best of her. Yep. It's just that the sacrifice was an acceptable one for Leslie. Um, 
And I also appreciated that we were able to take a closer look at the venerable and ancient Councilman Milton, who was very, sadly, funny in his own right. And, and you know, we've already been introduced to the other two people on the council, other than Leslie, Bill Sexy Dexy Dexhart and his numerous <laughs> scandals, and yeah. Senior Councilman Hauser, who yeah. has had numerous and hilarious run-ins with Leslie yeah. uh, uh, throughout the series. She seems to embarrass herself in front of him a lot. Exactly. Yeah. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, we made that one of our tropes. We did. I think, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, although I like what Leslie has done from a political perspective in these last two episodes, being this one and then the last one, Soda Tax, it sure does seem like Leslie's making enemies left and right. Like and pretty for, quickly. First, Catherine Pinewood yeah. and, and everybody associated with her. And now Councilman Jam and everyone associated with him. I'm not saying it's wrong. And right. I'm not saying I don't like it. I do like it. I just... It's just, she needs to be careful. Conflict <laughs> creates comedy, Mark. I guess. I like that Tom finally stepped up, even in a very small way, yeah. by, by pushing Jam yeah. in the public pool. Because, you know, that nixes any chance Jam is going to sponsor him for membership in Pawnee's most exclusive cigar club. That's true. He sacrifice um, that. Like but he said, knows he doesn't like cigars now anyway. <laughs> like I've said before, with Tom, it doesn't have to be a grand gesture for it to seem like thunder coming from him. So, you know, well done. Um it is not at all surprising to see the straightforward, take the bull by the horns, Diane Lewis, played by Lucy Lawless, is very much Ron's archetype of, of the perfect woman. Yeah. Um, and I be I may be a bit spoiled here, and maybe you'll agree with this, Alan, since I happen to know, unlike Ron's other relationships, this is going to be the one that takes. Right. But. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah. But I mean, come on. Diane shops at food and stuff for crying out loud. <laughs> Instant immortality. Done. Yeah, done deal. Nailed it. <laughs> Ron's romances have been a good source of comedy in the past. There's a part of me that beyond the immediate haha, I kind of want to root for him. And I like I want him to have a successful and fulfilling yeah, relationship. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um Ben and April's storyline, like time-wise and scene-wise, was actually very, very small, but very funny in its simplicity. Mm. April reacts hilariously over and over to Ben's sheer amount of Ben-ness. <laughs> Star Trek <laughs> fanfic, mix CD opening with Shoop. I mean, you you name it. It was nice to see Ben and April. By the great Salt and Peppa, by the way. Yeah. I actually said TLC earlier and I'm ashamed of it. Yeah, I just thought I'd just go on with the thing you said. I Thank didn't you. want to highlight your- Thanks for your, not shaming me. Your many, many- I self-shamed this time. Many- That'd be a new trope for us. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, Alan self-shaming? Yes. A, a, we need to find another we need acronym. acronym. It's yeah, like yeah. ass or something, I'm afraid. Or, I, I don't know. I didn't put it together. I don't know. It's funny. <laughs> uh, so, But it was nice to see Ben and April bond a little, especially after in the last episode, Ben was pretty upset with April near the end. So it's kind of yeah. nice to see that things are, you yeah. know, things are okay between them. I also like Ben giving as good as he got in the end saying, you know what? Nah, I don't feel like it anymore. Like that is so perfect, you know, given what April did to him earlier. Um, my only small nitpick with this episode, and I already said this, I won't belabor it. I didn't feel like the comedic bench was was used really well. Yeah. Not enough for a point detraction, in my opinion, but enough that I wanted to call it out. And I'm definitely not going to give them points for it like I sometimes do. Oh, OK, fair enough. All right. Speaking of points. Speaking of points, on to the crazy Mark rubric. All right. So I'm going to give this sucker, I'm going to give this sucker a 4.5 base score. I, I thought all three stories were, were good all around. I didn't think there was a stinker in the bunch. You know, even even a, a April and Ben's story, as small as it was, it's pretty funny. It was. And funny. I liked it. Yeah. Um, 
I'm going to give an entire point for a great performance by my boy, Nick Offerman as Ron Swanson. I'm going to give, as much as it pains me, I'm going to give half a point to Tom. Tom acting like Tom in a way that not only doesn't make me want to strangle him, but holy crap is really funny. Mm. And coming to a zenith with him getting a little bit of a redemption moment, pushing Jam in the pool at the end. Nice, Nicely done. Kind of coming to Leslie's, uh, well, not rescue, but defense. You know, yeah, yeah, to her defense. Yeah. I'm going to give another half point for what I thought was a great, great list of guest stars, including Lucy Lawless as uh, Diane mm-hmm. Lewis, Mo Collins as Joe Calamezzo, yep. John Glazer as Councilman Jam, Helton Slayton Hughes as Ethel Beavers, James Green as Councilman Milton, Kevin Simons as Sexy Dexy Councilman Dexart, and Yvonne's Jordan as Councilman Hauser. That's a pretty good list. It is. Yeah. It is. I'm going to give another half point for what I call the Jam-Milton combo. The way that they established Jam as a Leslie antagonist, especially especially one that we want to root against mm. so much. Unlike, mm-hmm. say, uh, Bobby Newport or even Jennifer Barkley. It's nice to kind of go, oh, I hope he gets his comeuppance. That's true. Because you, know you I mean? always kind of sympathize with them a little bit. Yes. Interesting. Yeah. Good call. Um, Plus, seeing Milton in more detail was very appreciated. Yeah, and yeah, I agree. it's also very funny. It was. Well um, it's pronounced anchovies. Um, <laughs> I would give a half point for what I call the Ron support combo. Good performance assists by both Chris Pratt as Andy Dwyer and Lucy Lawless as Diane Lewis. Mm-hmm. I think they both kind of helped the scenes around him come to life and, and supported it. I'm going to give an entire point. For it's kind of a miscellaneous category, but for for the entire C story, I didn't want to go into like all the details regarding the Ben April stuff. And I know it's pretty short, but I thought the whole story in and of itself was worthy of a point, adding a point to this score. So there you go. Um, I thought they were very funny in the short amount of time they were given. That's a good way to put it. And I'm going to give one more half point to something I've done before, and I'll do it again here. I'll call it the bookend combo. Is a great cold open featuring Jim and Leslie's bathroom, LOL and yuck, plus a great kicker featuring Tommy's smokehouse, only to reveal he doesn't even like cigars, <laughs> LOL. So you add all those crazy, crazy points together and you get nine little Sebastians. I think this has been my favorite episode of season five so far. It feels like they hit a lot of the familiar notes for me that that I love so much in season three, for example. I, I knew this wasn't going to be a 10, but at the same time, if they had used the comedic bench a little better, yeah. I may have even given this a higher score. Like, I really like this. So as it is, my official score, 9.0 Little Sebastian's. A solid score for a solid and enjoyable episode. Back to you, Alan. Very nice. I um, Rock that scuber. <laughs> rock that scuber. <laughs> I, I know we even did this as recently as last week. You know, this dichotomy of the how I felt about it score versus the technical merit score. Yes. And sometimes it's weird and it's hard to know when it's going to happen, but the how I felt score wins. Yeah. And sometimes the how I, how I mechanically measured it wins. Yeah. And for me, some reason, for some reason this week, the mechanical measurement won. And I don't know why exactly. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. So anyway, I'll get into that in a minute. All but right. um, real quick and not to repeat anything in any great detail, but you know, the Ron and Andy storyline is great. It's normally Ron mentoring Andy. And in this case, as much as it's possible, you've got a little bit of Andy mentoring Ron. Or at least him pushing him in what he feels is the right direction. Well, I mean, and that's 
that's, I mean, in real life, that's all he could ever do to mentor Ron. Right. right? It's right, like right. The, on, on relationships, you know, take this chance, go with something that's a little messy and not, you know, like, you know, looks good on paper. Right. How well has that worked out for him in the past? Yeah, that, right? that's a good point. So, yeah. so it's good advice from Andy, even if it's coming from a weird place, I think. Yeah, good point. And then, you know, of course, Andy's child side, you know, really got to shine here playing with, uh, with, the, with the girls. I mean, just so cute. And, uh, and then Ron sitting down and getting makeup put on oh, and, and Diane's reaction gosh. to it. Just fabulous. Yeah. Really my favorite. I wish I had that Funko pop, but they haven't made that one yet. I kind of wanted to shame Ron a little bit for like pouting like a little boy and just yeah. going away. And yet. I could see it was in his nature and it was good for Andy to help him kind of come yeah. back, circle back around. I mean, I think if she had and I think part of it is that he wants to impress Diane. He's not willing to admit that. Shut yet. up. Shut up. <laughs> but the fact that she kind of ridiculed him. Yeah. I think doubled down in this case. Oh, yeah. Normally he yeah. would have been impervious to that. Yeah. But because he likes her, mm -hmm. I think that's why it happened. I quite honestly. Yeah, I think you're yeah. right. Um, and, and the Ron and Diane pairing again. She's the perfect woman for him. And I think in many ways, all of those macho things that can sometimes, you know, that we enjoy, but could in the real world maybe be a little over the top. I think the fact that he's carved that way a little bit is attractive to Diane. Well, yeah, yeah. I think she likes a man's man in this case, so to speak. A warrior princess would. A warrior princess would. Yep. Well, well said, Mark. Um, I like that they kind of shuffle, you know, you, the pairings they had here. Are, are really good pairings. And I also like it when they shuffle that deck a little bit and you see yes. the, the different combinations. And that's yes. one of my favorite things they do. So it was nice to see this three, three pairings here in particular, because we don't always see this combination of things. Well said. Yeah. Um, I, I like Leslie's, you know, kind of sacrifice, if you will, um, you know, to like you said it before, like Leslie can do the manic thing as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. I think she can cut corners as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. And in this case, you know, she did kind of a, a dirty political thing. If you want to look at it through that purist lens that she made this huge compromise. But at the end of the day, it's just her bathroom, you know, and it only hurt her. And so and she got something for her constituents. So it's it's. It's probably pretty real. And even though it's a very minor example of something someone in her position might actually end up having to do, but it's not that far off from reality. And I kind of enjoyed that they were able to make that funny. Well, yeah. And that's something that's close to Leslie's heart. She'll do what she needs to if she can sacrifice something for her constituents. She probably will. Yeah. No, that's a great point. Um, I liked Redemption Tom. We've seen him two weeks in a row here and doing something kind of human headed, mm -hmm. which is nice to see. Um, and it, this week it wasn't even balanced with Pimpin' Tom or anything. It was just, you know, kind of nice gesture Tom. Well, in the scenes that Tom had, uh, Aziz Ansari, he was actually very funny. Yeah, he was very funny. Yeah. And so it proves that you don't necessarily need those things for him to be funny. Yes. Which we both have thought all along. Yes. Yes. So keep that in mind, writers, when you start writing this series again. Is that going to happen? <laughs> I keep hearing we it's going to happen. We can only hope. Well, Community, I hear, is maybe getting a movie, finally, after all. We should get a prequel. We A prequel would be nice. We talked about that. We did talk about that. Yeah. And, and then finally, the Ben-April combo. Um I like that Ben, Ben has a really good sense of humor, but I think it pairs well with certain people, with Chris, with Leslie, 
It hasn't always paired well with Ron, and it certainly hasn't paired well with April. But here he found a way to kind of balance that and have a couple little jabs back at her, mm-hmm. which I think is going to make their relationship and their their kind of uh, their interpersonal relationship a little closer. I agree. After this episode. Yeah. So I was I was glad to see that heading down that road. Um, I did not mention, but my two MVPs, I did co-MVPs this oh, week. Yeah, yeah. Nick Offerman. So mm-hmm. I did your man crush because mm-hmm. it's hard not to in this episode specifically. Yeah. I also did John Glazer, um, first appearance as wow. GM, but I felt like it was so dialed in on his first attempt. Yeah. Um, and, and honestly, I could have said the same thing last week about Mary Faber with Catherine Pinewood. Yeah. I mean, boom, just like got it the first time out. Right. And I'm sure that's a function of the writing, but it's also a function of their interpretation and their acting. Yeah. And and I think both of those characters really nailed it in their very first episodes as those characters. Well said. I completely yeah. agree. So for me, again, like I said, I liked the episode a lot. I think mechanically, I felt it fell down in a few places, mostly in the way that the weird, you know, kind of story combination there where it, it splintered off and then kind of tried to be its own fourth story, but wasn't. And so every time you went to it, it felt a little weird. Yeah. And yet I get what they were trying to accomplish. I think in this case for me, because I felt like it was four stories, I felt like everything was spread a little thin. Mm, um, I can get that. And I think there's more opportunity to do more in some cases that they did not. And I'm not sure what it sacrificed. I almost always say that to get there. But in this case, I just felt like that's the way I was left feeling, at least after my last viewing of it this time. Mm. So I give it an eight and a half. Um, I went back and forth between eight and a half and a nine. I think you're right, though. If if they had dialed in a couple things uh, a little more, better use of the bench, and maybe made a little more out of that second storyline, uh, the B story, mm-hmm. I, I feel like it could have definitely been a solid nine tilting to a nine and a half. Mm. But in this case, I fell backwards and I rounded down to eight and a half. Because, you know, no quarter points, Mark. <laughs> no, we, we do. That would make life so easy. If <laughs> we do not do quarter points yes. on here at LFP not Worldwide anymore. Headquarters. Not yeah. anymore. Not anymore. I like, I like my parking space. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah, 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 I like your reasoning. So, again, we're never very far off. We're half point away here, uh, you know, and the official scoring. So, again, and, and, and we are aligned in lots of ways on this episode. So, I'm not oh, surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, nice job, Mark. I, I think that's an excellent breakdown and uh, great scoring, great review of the episode. We'll be back next week. You know, Alan, but I, if, if I could, I, I wanted to, uh, before we wrap up today, yeah, I, yeah. I wanted to posit a theory to you. Oh, okay. So I want to hear can, this. So you have no idea this is coming. And so, uh, you know, you, you can tell me what you honestly think. I'm right. curious what our, what our viewers yeah. think. Um, so you know how oftentimes fans of Park and Recreation are also fans of The Office? Not always, but it's it's pretty common. Yeah, it's not uncommon for sure. Right. So for with The Office, you remember that episode where Dwight gets a concussion? I and, do. And he becomes nice Dwight. Oh, yeah. Right? I do. It's one of our so favorites. Take that and put it in a pin over here. Okay. Now, I'm sitting here today earlier and I'm thinking about, oh, my gosh, how much I love Andy and how sweet he is and, you know, sweet, stupid Andy. And I, I, I really, really, really like this version of Andy. Yeah. He's great. It's a good combo. Yeah. And I was thinking, gosh, he was such an asshat in season one and and even through a good portion of season two. So what happened? Why the change from Hmm. grade A jerk to the human equivalent of a sweet Labrador retriever? 
So here's my theory. Okay. I think in the season two episode where Leslie and Anne turn the pit into a lot by filling it in and they accidentally dump the huge pile of dirt on Andy's (laughs) head, I think just like Dwight changed, Andy changed. You think he's been concussed this entire time? Except he never went back. Interesting. That's my theory. Wow. I have a parallels universe theory, Mark. Yeah. But it's way too long for this episode. So, <laughs> no, I actually enough. like that. That's pretty entertaining to think of, yeah, for sure. You know, it yeah. could happen. But you're right. I mean, I, I think he did make a directional change and we are all pre- appreciative of it. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, he, he was also fronting the band. And I think being up in front of the band and doing that whole thing all the time as a certain persona. Right. He doesn't wear that persona as much anymore. That's true. And he's got April in his life. And that's the other big change. Oh, for sure. So, Absolutely. But again, I like the concussion. Theory. I just thought that was fun. I, this is a fun one. Yeah. I like that. Where Did you get a concussion when you thought of that? Nope. I thunk good. <laughs> I'll check in with your wife on that. <laughs> Uh, well we'll be back uh nice job again mark we'll um we'll be back next week with season five episode four sex education sex education oh yeah get your bananas ready giggity what (laughs) what oh never mind sorry spoiler alert (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you next week all right bye everyone bye everyone live from pawnee is a copyrighted production of the creators Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Original music was created and performed by Aaron Emerson of Emerson Studios. Clips are used under fair use doctrine for the purpose of commentary and parody. Please see our website at livefrompani.com for more details or to contact us. Music